welcome to Occasional Randomness. We are continuing our voyage through the TV series Farscape. For our prior episodes on Farscape, you can go to our website, occasionalrandomness.podbean.com. After a longer than expected break, we'll explain that in a minute, we are back. And this time we're jumping into the first two episodes of Season 3. Episode 1, Season of Death. And Episode 2, Sons and Lovers. I'm your host, Eric Scott. And joining me, as always, my fellow co-host, somebody whose brain is no longer scrambled, Jason Johnson. Eh, blurg, eh, yeah. That'd be fun. We'd do the whole podcast like that. That'd, that'd save me on editing time. That'd be, that'd be great. You could just recut that one line in multiple times, right? That'll just Yeah, just cut, cut and paste that for 45 minutes and call it a day. <laughs> I'm sure somebody would appreciate that. Yeah. Intelligent. Although that probably it's about as intelligent as I come off normally, so it'd work. But nobody'd notice. All right, so if you've been following along uh, quasi-real-time as we record and release these, uh, it's been about two months since we wrapped Season 2. We weren't exactly planning on being away that long, even though each of us had uh, vacations. However, uh, just kind of like Season 1 ender going into Season 2, just as we're going to watch Season 3, first two episodes on Amazon Prime, guess what? Farscape's not on Amazon Prime anymore as of August 2022, as we record this. Well, it's not September, but anyway. So after frantically scouring the internet, we learned that the Jim Henson Company uh, is now partnering with Shout Factory. And Shout Factory now has the exclusive worldwide, worldwide rights. Say that fast three times. Blurg. <laughs> so they have the rights to 13 of Jim Henson Company's series and specials. The only kind of two that we really care about is Farscape and the Farscape Peacekeeper Wars miniseries. So we had to wait until the end of August, beginning of September, for it to start streaming on Shot Factory TV. Available wherever fine internet browsers, Roku apps, or Amazon Prime channels are sold. Free plug. The, <laughs> yeah, there's our kickback right there. The good news is that if you're willing to deal with commercials, it is free. So uh, as opposed to before where you had to be a Amazon Prime subscriber, which most people are because free shipping, right? But now you can get it for free, free, as long as you're willing to sit through eh, not terrible commercials. The, the, the funny part of all that to me, though, was that we literally were like texting back and forth saying, OK, how about this night to start? And we need to watch these two episodes. And then it disappeared because I had already checked once and it was still there. Yeah, because I swear it was there. And then like, OK, yeah, great. I'll watch him get ready. Oh, <laughs> here we go again. <laughs> Yep. And it, and it wasn't even like you can buy them. It's just like, no, 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 we're just kidding. Here's the page. But because I had the page pulled up in the browser and I was like, I'm just going to click up. No. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, because it's still listed on Amazon. So I'm like, yeah, season three. I'm like, where, where, where's the play button? Why, why can't I play? <laughs> and, and of course, we, we, we could not, you know, just hop on a plane and go somewhere else and watch it. We had to we had to find a legitimate source. Yeah. You know, things just don't fall off the trucks. Uh, well, they kind of do, but not around here. So... But fortunately, it showed up, and it's just as good as it was before, minus the commercial. You know, if you like commercials, or just watch your phone for a little bit, then turn back the TV. Yeah, I, I will say I'm probably going to, although I didn't watch a lot of them, I will miss some of the, the extra stuff that Amazon gave you, the little things at the bottom. But, you know, free. Yeah, so what do we watch? Right, so speaking of which, let's jump into the cliffhanger resolution of Season 2, which would be Season 3. Episode one, Season of Death. Yeah, which I started to say, I almost felt like we should do a recap of the what happened last time because it's been so long. But for y'all, it probably hasn't. Or if it has, just go back and listen to the last episode. So you're good. All right. Season three, episode one, Season of Death. The crew are dun, still... Dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> the crew are still in orbit of the hospital planet. And each member of the crew, in turn, contacts Pilot to ask whether or not he's heard anything about Crichton. But he keeps telling them he's heard nothing, and he'll let them know as soon as he hears anything, and stop bugging me. On the planet, Lieutenant Bracca asks Grunchulk why he hid from them, if you remember that from last season. Grunchulk says that it was merely a precaution. He asks for his payment, since he told them the moment Crichton arrived. Aha. Uh -huh. Scorpius enters and says that he should be trying to prove that he still serves a purpose, since their business on the planet is now finished. And we know what happens to Scorpius's friends when he's finished with them. Yeah, I'm not sure, not sure how he has anybody to ever go back and revisit, but anyway. Yeah, or any people that he still has contacts with. Anyway. So Crichton is still on the operating table, as we saw last season. Brains open and everything, with Tokat, the doctor, still injured, lying on the floor. Inside John's mind, the Scorpius clone 
is still there. He did not leave when the chip left and speaks to Crichton, telling him that Crichton must die. Brack is ready to shoot Grunchilk when Officer Corbin enters, saying that the command carrier's battle ended successfully. Okay, we didn't know about that. But the rendezvous has been delayed by five Arns. Scorpius says that Crichton's friends won't stay away that long, but what really worries him is that they may alert Krace and Talon, who is lurking around the planet somewhere. Grunchilk says that he has a special room that's private that they may use to hide in. Back to John and his little Scorpius buddy in his head. The Scorpius clone tells Crichton that his death is the only way to separate them now that Scorpius has the neurochip and the clone no longer has to protect Crichton. Crichton says that's great, why are you still here? But the clone does not know. He says that Scorpius wants, so Crichton should just end it now. Meanwhile, Rigel is looking for Grunchilk when he hears Crichton Bless screaming. You. Yeah. <laughs> he goes to the operating room and where he sees Toka on the floor and Crichton laying their brains available open on the table. Darbo orders Chiana and Jothi to stay on Moya before he accompanies Stark and Zan down to the planet. Grunchilk tells Scorpius that he's had no contact with the crew of Moya for over nine arms when a transport is detected leaving Moya, which we just mentioned. Grunchilk says that he will stall them, but Scorpius injects something into the back of his head, which allows him to use a headset to control Grunchilk's mind and body. Zan, Dargo, and Stark meanwhile arrive on the planet, and Zan manages to get Tokat breathing again. The Diagnosian whispers, Scorpius. Grace aboard Talon says that Scorpius must have come on a prowler or a marauder on his stealth trajectory. Scorpius makes Grunchilk shoot himself, and Dargo later finds him lying in the corridor, wounded, where he says that he's sure Scorpius has already left. Which is not suspicious at all. Yeah, so, uh-huh, sure. Back in the operating room, Stark says that Crichton didn't want the operation if anyone else would be harmed. Yet they use an Interion anyway. It's one of the people they had frozen that was kind of human-like. Stark says that those people are not dead, but stuck between realms. Dargo says that Crichton needs help and asks what Tokat can do. Tokat says he could try a neural transplant, but that would use up one of those donors. Stark says that Crichton wouldn't want that. Grunchilk says it might not even work. And Dargo says they need to try know what Crichton wants anyway. So Zan shares unity with him. She gets past the neural clone, and Crichton tells her to go away. There's no point. Let him die. Zan breaks unity and tells him that the clone is still there. Grunchilk notes that they'll never going to do what he needs to be done. So Zan gets a lethal injection to kill Crichton. Dargo says no, they're going to help Crichton and get Scorpius out of his head. And Stark notices Zan trying to inject Crichton and stops her. But she says that he really wants to die. Dargo is kind of adamant and says that they won't lose another person. And Tokat says that Scorpius' personality was in Crichton so long that it's now merged with his consciousness. Zan says there's only one merciful thing to do, to which Grunchilk agrees, so Dargo just shoes them both away. He tells Tokat to restore Crichton's speech no matter what. Tokat says that Crichton insisted on no harm to any donors. Stark gets a little upset and says that Tokat is the one harming them. He can hear their screams, so he injects one of them with a lethal injection. Crichton screams incoherently to which Stark says that it was mercy. Their pain was greater than his. Good old erratic Stark. Hey, there we go. So after being kicked out of the hospital room, Zan goes to meditate. When Krace contacts her, Grunchuk tells him to go and chase Scorpius, but Krace says he won't leave without Aaron's body. Grunchuk says that Aaron can take it up to him, but she says she can't do it. When they all leave, they'll take Aaron with them. And then back on Moya, Jothi and Chiana are cooking, but end up in an embrace. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. And then kiss. Oh, God. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> and then get into more... Uh, 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 more stuff. Meanwhile, Tokat has repaired Crichton's speech. Crichton says that Aaron's gone, so he wants to die. Darker says that Aaron would want him to keep fighting. And Stark says that Scorpius is in his head, and that's only a remnant, and he needs to show who's stronger. So Crichton tells the clone that things are different now. He wants to make some ground rules. Those rules being he beats the crap out of the clone and throws him into a figurative dumpster. Ta-da. There's a new sheriff in town. Tokat detects an auto-release of one of the cryogenic pods and contacts Grunchilk. Grunchilk tells Tokat to let him deal with it and very anxiously tells him to get away, get out of there. Tokat instead checks on the pod and is unfortunately killed by what's inside, which we find out is a Scarin. Grunchilk, remember those? Yeah, remember those guys? Speaking of kind of scary uh, things, Grunchilk won't tell Scorpius why the Scarin's there. So Scorpius forces him to bite off the tip of his own finger. Ew. This makes Grunchilk speak. Yeah, no kidding. And he says that the Scarens offered him money to keep one of them hidden until Scorpius returned. I think what he actually said was... And he had the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he says that he took the payment as an advance and was going to keep the Scaren frozen. But since the peacekeepers came in all guns blazing, he doubted Scorpius' good intentions. Good idea. And set the Scarens' chamber to auto-release. Had Scorpius behaved and paid him, he would have turned it off. 
Yeah, somehow I don't think he would. But anyway, Tian and Delta are finished getting dressed. When for Rigel, some reason, uh, yeah. we don't know. Yeah, I, I must have blacked out there for a couple minutes. When Rigel enters, asking why the room is in such a mess. As a cover, they say they blew up a cooking pan, so he leaves unsuspecting. Meanwhile, Brekka tells Scorpius where everybody is, and Scorpius decides to send Grunchilk to the Scarron. Crichton wakes back up and says that he beat the clone, and asks how Stark knew what he had to do. Stark says he didn't, it just sounded like a good thing to try. He goes to get Zan so they can leave. Meanwhile, Grunchilk goes to speak with the Scarron, who asks where Scorpius is. Grunchilk says, no, he's not here, but he has someone just as good, John Crichton. He tells him where Crichton is. Using his little heat projection, mind control interrogation thing, the Scarron asks if he's lying and if it's a, it's a trap, but Grunchilk, still controlled by Scorpius, is able to deny that it's a trap. The Scarron stuffs him in a cryopod and goes after Crichton. Scorpius then tells Officer Corbin that they need to get their information to the command carrier and says Corbin's piloting skills, who he keeps bragging about all episode, will be soon tested. Meanwhile, Zan notices that Aaron is still alive, and Stark says that Grunchilk may have been planning to keep her as a donor. Zan says that Tokat's gifts could not save Aaron, but Stark says he can't hear her, her soul is too far away to be reached, and any attempt to reach her will be dangerous. Zan says, yeah, he's probably right, but then knocks him out. Their relationship is so weird. Yeah. <laughs> when Dargo opens the door of the hospital room for him and Crichton to leave, he comes face to face with Ascaran. Dargo quickly slams the door, and they try to exit back through the other entrance into the snow. Dargo tells Crichton that the plan is to get the Scarron to follow them outside. Meanwhile, Zan apologizes to the unconscious Stark and takes off his mask, focusing Stark's energy on Aaron's coffin. She gets unity with Aaron, who finds Aaron sitting in her ejection seat. Zan asks if Aaron knows her or who she is. Aaron responds with her peacekeeper rank and asks if Zan has come to reassign her. Zan says no, she's come to take her back. So in unity, Aaron says that Zan should not be there and asks why she's doing it. Zan says because she loves Aaron, but more importantly, Crichton loves her. She says that Aaron must take this gift for Crichton's sake, but Aaron says she can't. She knows what this will cost Zan and breaks unity. Zan falls back away from the coffin and is met by the gun of a peacekeeper commando. Another commando is guarding Stark, and Scorpius tells them to keep Stark, but kill the Delvian. So just as that's going to happen, suddenly both peacekeepers are shot by Dargo's Qualta Blade. It's Aaron. She's alive. Ta-da! Dun-dun. Scorpius, Scorpius soon realizes that the commandos are dead, and tells Corbin that they can wait no longer. Meanwhile, the Scarron has followed Dargo and Crichton outside, but they're trapped by a jammed door on the other end. Dargo starts to fight the Scarron, but has no chance. Meanwhile, the Marauder leaves the planet on a stealth tra trajectory, and Talon and Krace pursue. The Scarron's ready to finish off Dargo when suddenly Aaron appears and starts shooting it. Crichton stabs its open wound with an icicle, and the Scarron falls. He can't believe it's really Aaron, but she explains that Zan brought her back, and they hug. Aww. Oh. Finally. Scorpius tells Krace to end the pursuit, but Krace says it will end in Scorpius' death. Scorpius says they have information on board the Marauder that could help them defeat the Scarrens, so Krace should consider his fellow Sebations. Krace retorts that Scorpius should have considered one Sebation that died because of him, Aaron. They both reach the carrier, which Scorpius says will destroy them. Krace says, yeah, maybe. But he and Talon agree, and they fire, destroying the Marauder. Krace contacts Pilot to tell him that Scorpius is dead, and they draw away the carrier before they starburst away. Pilot informs the others of Scorpius' apparent death, and Stark says he's with Zan, Tokat is dead, and Grunchulk is as good as dead. Crichton says that they'll take the Interions, as one of them died at his hands, and maybe, like Aaron, they can be saved. But, like most things that are uh, greatly exaggerated, Bracca tells Scorpius, who is not dead, that Moya and Talon have fled, and they're soon to be picked up on the planet. Scorpius says that Officer Corbin overestimated his piloting skills, but their task is more important now. They have a new gamut base waiting to go into production. Hundreds of techs just waiting to apply the priceless wormhole technology that Scorpius now has from the neural chip. Back on Moya, Chiana, Jothi, Dargo, and Rigel are in the food room. Rigel says that Jothi and Chiana's time was so productive, and Dargo agrees that they are two excellent cooks. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Aaron joins Crichton, looking at the Interions in the cargo bay. She says that she should not be here, but Crichton says no, it's exactly where she should be. He says he loves her, and she actually says that she loves him, and they kiss. Yay. They're about to go further than that when she breaks it off, refusing to act on that impulse. Oh. She says that she will not be the cause of anyone else's death because her judgment was faulty. She won't allow anybody else to sacrifice her life for hers. Surprise, Crichton asks, what are you talking about, anybody else? Cut to Stark with Zan when Crichton enters and says that what she did to bring Aaron back, her gift of spiritual energy, took everything she had. He asks if there's anything that he can do to help, but she says, no, there's nothing. He says he won't accept that, but she says he has to 
She's dying. Dun dun dun. Huh. To be continued. Alright, some trivia about this episode. Lanny Tupu, who plays Crace and the voice of Pilot. Wayne Pygram, Scorpius and Harvey, the neural clone. And Paul Goddard, who plays Stark, are all added to the opening credits with this episode. And also a new piece of theme music is introduced to replace the show's original theme. And Ben Browder recorded an updated opening monologue, which replaces the original reference to him being hunted by an insane military commander, to instead wondering aloud whether he should protect the Earth from the dangers he's seen, or share with it the wonders. Also changes to the opening, uh, the opening episode titles are now presented on screen for the first time. Rather than being superimposed over a scene, the titles are presented on a black screen with a swirling animation effect. Uh, for all you wrestling fans out there, Crichton's line of, can I get a hell yeah, is a deliberate imitation by Ben Browder of Stone Cold Steve Austin's catchphrase and throwing style. Two different Grunchulk finger-chomping scenes were filmed, the one that we saw on screen, and a gorier one that was cut, and according to... A bit. Yeah. <laughs> was, bit. <laughs> was cut for time, huh? And according to the director, was like a Monty Python sketch. Yeah, so I'm kind of glad they didn't go with that one. The outside snow was created using soap flakes, which became rather uncomfortable for the actors to shoot after three days. But they were clean. Yeah, <laughs> but it was clean fun. The situation in this episode where Scorpius has to hide from Crace and Talon is an ironic reference to Mind the Baby, because in this case, the roles in the episode are now switched. Talon and Crace are the hunters, and Scorpius, Bracca, and the rest are the prey. All right, so that's our exciting conclusion of our season two cliffhanger. So what did you think, Jason? As we'll kind of work through, I think, as we go through the, this one and the next one, I, I enjoyed this one. I don't know if that's because I'm a sucker for the resolution to cliffhangers, uh, if I just like multi-parters, or, you know, again, they started off with a good bang. But either way, I think they, they didn't bite off more than they could chew, and I think we've got a good episode. Yeah, I mean, I it was good. It was definitely, you know, like you, I love kind of cliffhanger resolutions, especially when they do it right. And uh, I do kind of like sometimes when they change the, the credits of a show. So I do like that they've added these new cast members. Well, new. I mean, they've been around, but you know, now they're official. I don't know whatever that means. Uh, hopefully they got a pay bump, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which obviously means if they're in the opening credits that they're going to be in lots of episodes this season or most of them. Who knows? So that's kind of exciting. You know, we get to look forward to some more conflict since now we have Craze, who's sometimes in agreement, sometimes not. You know, Scorpius, who obviously is not, and Harvey now permanently, quote unquote, in John's head. So that's just going to be interesting. And we got crazy Stark running around doing whatever Stark does. So, hey, what's not to love, right? Yeah, agreed. Though I think, at least in my brain, although I didn't think about Harvey, uh, it took away some of the drama of wondering whether Scorpius was actually killed. Because you're kind of like, yeah, okay, that was a, a play, right? He's obviously not going to die in the first episode of the season. Yeah, plus he's in the opening credits now, so yeah, that kind of doesn't really... Right. <laughs> it's like, well, he's in the credits, so it must not be him, unless they're going to go with the, yeah, Scorpius is dead, and now it's just the clone, but that would be kind of weird. Although, they might get there eventually, you just never know. Yeah, hey, you know, we got two more seasons. And unfortunately, since we, that was what we loved, speaking of what's not to love about the opening, the new opening and closing theme music just, just doesn't do it for me. Uh, it's not as, like, far out and weird as season one and two's theme was and in case you're wondering we're not going to be changing the opening or closing theme music of the podcast we're going to keep using the old slash best theme music so but i like the opening narration at least by Crichton because it kind of reflects what's happening now so it's good that they kind of evolved that a little bit so what you're saying is you're going to do a super cut and give us a uh old music new narration overdub sure we'll, we'll go with that <laughs> i'll be waiting yeah <laughs> don't wait too long <laughs> Uh, so I guess back to things that we did like. So I do like that the opening scene where everybody keeps asking Pilot, you know, one after the other, hey, anything about Crichton? Hey, how's Crichton? Hey, how's Crichton? And Pilot keeps getting more and more fed up and frustrated and finally snaps at them and tells him, you know, he'll tell them when he hears anything, go away. <laughs> so it's kind of fun that Pilot is more than just telling people that Moya's doesn't feel well or he sees things outside the ship. And he deserves to be fed up. I mean, they were pretty demanding. But speaking of that, how's Crichton? Yeah, <laughs> Hey, man, that Crichton guy, how's he doing? And uh, we get introduced to some more of Scorpius's uh, little infernal machines. This time he's got one that can let him take over your entire mind and body and make you do and say anything he wants, like shoot yourself or bite off your own finger and pretty much whatever else he wants. At first I thought, well, that was kind of convenient. I wonder where this was last season and why he didn't use it on Crichton before. 
but then I just self-check myself and it's like, well, that's not going to matter because the wormhole knowledge is kind of subconscious and Crichton doesn't know it all. So if he was totally controlled, he couldn't reveal it anyway. So I'm like, oh, okay, never mind. That explains it. It was still, right. it was still a cool device though. It is. It is. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to uh, like an interject, one of the, the clips of Jack Nicholson's Joker, you know, where does he get those wonderful toys? Things right there. <laughs> right. I can't do the voice or I've tried. So, yeah. yeah. But I guess when you're the crazed, mad adventurer kind of guy, you, you, you make cool things. I mean, the guy's got cooling rods in his head, so... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which we're not seeing in this episode, thank you. Uh, let's see, more things we liked, uh, or I liked anyway. When they were deciding how to whether to heal Crichton or not was uh, some pretty interesting little scene. Zan wants to basically say, okay, yeah, Crichton wants to die, great, we'll kill him, and going so far as to try to do that with a lethal injection. And then Dargo and Stark going with plan B and saving him, even though it cost the lives of one of the Interion people that were frozen. True, although I find it interesting that he doesn't that he being stark doesn't try to kill all the interions right because if, if they're in that much pain and suffering you think he'd be wanting to help them all move along but instead they pack them up at the end and take them with them so yeah or unless he thought maybe in case killing the first one didn't work they got another one i don't know but stark, stark ain't that up there you know much so yeah who knows <laughs> true and like we kind of mentioned before uh, hey harvey's still around so I, I do remember this from future episodes. Spoiler alert, Jason, sorry. From what I remember from 20 years ago from watching this. So, And then, you know, of course, Crichton beating the metaphorical and psychological crap out of him and tossing him in a dumpster was hilarious. That was a good scene. Crichton finally gets to at least get his quasi-revengeful Scorpius, sort of. And without the neural chip, he can't control Crichton anymore, he says. Or can he? Ooh. Yeah, the, the, the throwaway line there of he's fully merged or, or imprinted into Crichton's brain doesn't bode well. Although I'm interested to see if without the actual chip, does that mean that Crichton's free to beat up the real Scorpius now? Could be. I mean, he almost killed him, what, last time? He kind of over, or at some point, one of the episodes, he kind of overrode the chip and almost killed him. So yeah, now maybe if he's truly just a passenger now, yeah, I mean, all bets are off, right? Right. Well, then it'll be interesting to see if it's, if it's the chip or if having Harvey still in his head has an effect. Yeah, I'm sure he'll show up from time to time to distract Crichton from an important thing or a critical moment. You know, who knows? But we'll see. Yeah, I'm sure that dumpster wasn't the last we see of him. And then we have Grunshook, who apparently is about as schemy as Scorpius. He's got his plans within plans. So he's got money from both sides by alerting Scorpius that Crichton was on the planet. And also, ha even before then, having a Scarin as a backup in case Scorpius showed up and double-crossed him. So, hey, I guess he and Scorpius are kind of perfect for each other. They, they're both backstabbers of, of each other. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've got to hand it to him that, uh, you know, that wasn't a bad plan. And he came within a finger's width of pulling it off. I was going to say something. I was going to try to make a finger joke there, but okay, good job. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a snap, but still. Yeah, it's really a pointed scheme. Bit off more than he can chew. Yeah. We should move on. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm kind of glad they didn't turn into like a Monty Python, blood spurting everywhere kind of thing that which has been, I think, over the top that we didn't need that. So. Yeah, and it probably would have taken away, right? I mean, it would have taken you out of the scene if it's too over the top. So. Yeah, I mean, it was bad enough that he bit his finger off, and before that, the, the thing that uh, Scorpius stuck in the back of his head it was almost like a big dagger stab thing, and I'm like, wow, that was. did he kill him? No, he took, okay, whatever. But yeah, so it was getting a little over the top, so you got to tone it down a little bit there. Uh, let's see, keeping with the uh, what we loved about this episode, uh, Zan saving Aaron. Of course, we knew Aaron had to come back, but just how? There, yeah. Now we know how. She was still in the credits. So. Yeah, you know. Yeah, the opening credits kind of kills the whole mood of the show. <laughs> it's like, oh, Claudia Black, look, okay. But, you know, you knew she'd come back. Her knocking out Stark and using his energy was cool. Uh, you know, Aaron didn't want to come back, much like Crichton didn't want to come back because both thought each other was dead. And then Aaron shows up and whacks a couple of peacekeepers, and we know she's back. So, yay. And speaking of, we know Aaron's back. Then we cut to Dargo and Crichton outside trying to deal with the Scarin and not doing so good. Uh, but then Aaron comes to rescue again and shoots the crap out of him. And then Crichton finishes him off with a nice stabby stab with an icicle. And then they finally hug. Yay! Yay! I, I'm glad they didn't drag that whole Aaron coming back thing out and we get her back pretty quickly. Because, you know, I, I really didn't want the whole season to be the search for Aaron, you know, or, or whatever the, the second Star Trek movie was that I don't know. <laughs> but so it's... it's it, Again, her name's in the credits. She's an important character. Got to have this whole big thing, but now she's back. And they make, well, I'm sure we'll discuss. They get some progress. And so, again, hug. Yay. 
Yeah, it's cool that they didn't like you know show her coming back to life. That that you know they kind of hit it off camera and just basically that's like the next couple scenes of big reveal of like, hey, it's Aaron. Oh, Xana Stark. Oh, it's Aaron. Hey, Dargo and John. It's Aaron. <laughs> and, and you get the payoff of of Dargo leaving her his Qualta blade, right? Because she gets to put it to use. Yep. Who apparently she's a much better shot with it than he is. But anyway, we won't go there. He has other things to deal with. Yeah, <laughs> he's got other problems, which we'll get to <laughs> in a minute. Uh, let's see more nice things. Uh. We bring in our other new cast member in the credits, Craze. Uh, he and Talon get a nice little scene attacking the Marauder and him arguing or sniping back and forth with Scorpius. And everybody thinks that, hey, Scorpius is dead, which lasts about 35 seconds. I don't know. <laughs> a minute? <laughs> I don't know. But, but we learn that there's a new gamut base, and that's where he'll be to start extracting the wormhole knowledge. So more on that, I'm sure, to come. Yeah, and... Once again, Scorpio gets to show why he's a good villain, right? I mean, everybody gets to think he's dead. He gets to go in private, mad science it up until he's he's ready for the next big reveal. Yeah, so maybe we won't see him for a couple episodes, and we'll just have you know Harvey floating around, you know, kind of thing. So, which is which is not a bad way to take the character and let him do something in the background while you've also still got the actor acting as the character, right? So, yeah, props to them for figuring that one out. Yeah, yeah. Good use of their talent. I guess obviously now Scorpius is the big bad, not Craze, so they had to kind of find ways to keep him employed, engaged, and whatever. So there you go. And then the next best thing of this episode, back at the end of the show in Moya's Cargo Bay, John and Aaron are both together, and they finally say out loud what we've been waiting for two seasons for, that they both love each other. Yippee! And then things kind of stop there for now. Yeah, I mean, I I get they don't want to push past that too quick, but... It was like, yeah, we're finally, ah, no, okay, we're back to this point again. So I'm sure that discussion won't happen in the next episode or anything where we still have to keep working through this relationship, right? Yeah, I'm sure not. I'm sure everything's fine now. We'll just move on from there. And we've dodged around it, but saving the worst for last, Jothe and Chiana. (sighs) So what can I say? That was, at least for me, an uncomfortable scene with them in the kitchen, making out and you know, do the math on what happens next. I, I I don't, I still don't know why this plot line exists or why or how it even happened in the first place. I, I, I don't get it. I said that last time. I don't get it. I mean, sure, it's inner crew drama and, you know, get some tension and wonderful and it's going to last a little bit longer. And I don't know. I mean, maybe I guess you can look at it from the standpoint of, I guess you have two sides of a relationship playing out. You have Happy Path, Aaron and Crichton, finally revealing their love for each other and being all happy about it. And a potentially unhappy one with Chiana, Jothi, and when Dargo finds out, I'm sure he won't be thrilled about it. Yeah, you, you can't have too much that happiness floating around. I think I've probably mentioned it too often, but I'm not a fan of crew drama, right? It's it's not what I like in the show. It's I prefer a unified crew and external conflicts. And I think that they... I think you got a point there. I think that they were trying to to balance it out by saying, okay, well, if we're going to move this relationship up a notch, then we've got to do something here. And uh, I don't know. (laughs) I'm almost at a loss for words because I, you know, slight spoiler for the next episode as we kind of get into it in just a second. But even after that episode, I still don't know why. I mean, like, was this all they could come up with? Is it, is it? I think I know why they did it. I just don't understand why they went this route instead of coming up with some other less uh, odd way to do it, right? Like, I mean, it's just kind of, eh. yeah. I mean, I, I mean, unless the actor that played Dargo wanted to do more than just be like the tough guy and want to have like some emotional arc, which okay, I guess you got both sides of that now. You got, hey, we're in love, we're happy. You know, I found somebody, you know, my, my wife and child, you know, my, my wife's dead, my child's missing, but hey, I got somebody. And then eventually like, you know, oh no, she's cheating on me. What, you know, okay, fine. But yeah, just, they, they could have done something else maybe, but, but whatever. I mean, yeah, like you, I, I like happy crew and a crew that are functional. I mean, you know, they still have their snarky moments with each other and argue and, you know, have the little one-liners and stuff, which is great. And that's the funny part of Farscape that I remember and I like the most. This stuff, eh. Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying I expect them to be like, you know, the Partridge family or something and, <laughs> and you know, riding around singing and, and I've never seen the Partridge family, um, whatever <laughs> happens there, but but <laughs> I can't take that any further. Uh, but, you know, it's it's still, there's a line and I, I don't know that this may have been one of those where without great reason, I'm not quite sure I understand the, the justification and I, I, I would hope with, they got some good writers on this show, I would have expected somebody to to kind of 
knock on the door and be like, um, about this idea we had, let's not. Uh, but, and again, I, I feel like we're beating it up a lot at the end. This was a, a relatively good episode. Not relatively. This was a great episode. I, I really enjoyed it. Second parter. We got a lot of stuff done. It's just this one element that I still can't wrap my head around. And I guess since you don't know anything about the Partridge family, I won't try to map the Farscape crew to the Partridge family cast. You, you'd be on your own. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I literally, I, I literally, if you told me there was a family of Partridges, I'd probably believe you. So. I only got as far as mapping Rachel to Danny, and that's about as far as I got. So, but anyway, that won't mean anything to you, but that's fine. So, <laughs> Ocean? No. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, ooh, Ocean's Web. Now, there's one we could probably do. Yeah, I'm sure we can go. Stay tuned for our wrap up episode where we no. <laughs> do all our what ifs. Yeah, it's, it's at some point, I might have to go back and actually document how many of these we've come up with and then actually try to make a flow chart. So, yeah, we'll, we'll work it out someday. Yep. No, we won't. No, yeah, no. <laughs> no, not going to do it. Spoiler, no. <laughs> I guess we overimposed with the and they didn't <laughs> and then nothing happened uh speaking of that you want to roll into the next one yeah i suppose <laughs> such an uplifting <laughs> more on that later too but anyway <laughs> yeah. all right so season three episode two sons that's s-u-n-s sons because it's a space show and lovers so we start with Rigel turning on a monitor to find Chana and Jothi having sex. No! What? <laughs> Stop it. Out of nowhere. Anyway. And, and he gazes on it. Yeah. As, Pervert. As Rigel yeah. would do. Yeah. yeah. Come on. He's not going to change the channel. No, of course not. <laughs> Meanwhile, Moya has docked at a commerce station near the twin sons of Quell. Let's say that three times fast. To allow the crew to spend the money they stole from the Shadow Depository. Because I guess it's burning a hole in the hole. As he gets drunk, Crichton is talking to the barman, Mordal, when Dargo comes in and shows him some union tattoo for himself and Chiana for their marriage. Uh-huh. Sark tells <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh. Sark tells Zan that they're going to find a planet where she can recuperate when they're finished. Aaron enters and sits with Crichton when a woman named Borlick asks if he is John Crichton. His reputation precedes him, and as she tells his story, Crichton corrects her errors, blowing his cover. She says they're all friends and they hate peacekeepers here. As she orders him a drink, a storm suddenly hits, sending the station into chaos. Everyone's shaken up, but okay, and Moya's been thrown into the docking ring. Pilot calls Chana to help, and Jothi sees one of the frozen Interions move. Chana bumps into Rigel, who calls her a slut. He says he saw them, so she tells him not to tell Dargo. But Rigel says he, he'll smell Jothi all over her. You know, because... Dargo can smell things. And uh, Dargo, who is checking out the damage to Moya, says she's okay, she being Moya, but is now tangled in some cables. Meanwhile, Borlick tells Crichton of the story of the three commerce stations, which were cursed since they were built on the sacred stillness. The other two were destroyed, and storms that persist are getting worse and seem to be aimed at the station. Meanwhile, Jothi opens up the cryopod, and the Intineron tells Jothi that they were on a mission looking for someone, but he and another got sick. He then throws up on Jothi and dies. Meanwhile, Chana manages to seal the vent, but sees a trapped child through a window in the station. Aaron goes with Crichton to look for the child as Chana says that Jothi killed the Intineron. Dargo's bringing the ship on board and wants Chana and Jothi to check it out, so she sends Jothi to bathe to get rid of her scent. Sounds like a good idea. Aaron tells Crichton that she's been thinking about how peacekeepers relieve tension by reducing bodily fluids through sex. Seems to be the theme of this episode. Yeah. Uh, Crichton is... I guess that's the, that, that's the, the lover's part? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, yeah. It's not the sun part. No, no. Crichton is reluctant and says now is not the time. As Aaron unzips her suit, mm-hmm. she falls through the floor into a waste conduit. Pilot tells Crichton that the storm turned 90 degrees to hit them and another one is on its way in two arms. Rigel wants to leave, but Crichton says no. He asks who might want to destroy the station, and Mortal mentions a religious sect who think that by buying and selling on their sacred ground, they're desecrating it. The ship that Dargo brought on board is protected by a defense screen, which is still active. I'd like to have seen how they got it on board. Dargo tells Chana that he's sorry and he wants to talk, but she says she's not ready and she'll talk later. The others have brought the DRDs onto the station to search for the source attracting the storm when Stark takes a look at Zan's head. Her condition is worsening much faster than they predicted. She says he shouldn't worry since he's an expert on dying, and while he agrees, he says that he's not just an, he's just not an expert on her dying. 
Jothi tells Chiana that he thinks Dargo knows about them when suddenly Dargo comes in and smells something other than Jossie's basic bathing lotion. He asks why they're both in the room and doesn't believe their reason. Chiana asks if he's spoken with Rigel, and he says about what. He realizes that the two of them have betrayed them, betrayed him, and shows Chiana the tattoo. He says she'll never have it, and he imprints it on Jothi after knocking her away. He leaves and says he'll never listen to anything either of them will ever have to say. As he leaves, he reveals that the smell was simply a burnt-out power cell from the cryo chamber. It was their own reactions that gave them away. <laughs> more, yeah. more on that later. Mm-hmm. On the station, one of the DRDs picks up a signal, and it goes crazy when Stark points it at Borlick, revealing that she is the source of the signal. She starts chanting and becomes stuck to the ceiling. The pipe she's up against would freeze everyone if it's ruptured, so she's stuck there. Rigel stuffs a cloth in her mouth to shut her up, and Pilot tells Crichton that a bigger source of the metal that the pipe is made of may attract her away, and they'll have to source it on Moya. One of the cryopods, interior cryopods, it happens to be that metal. Moya is still stuck on the cable, so even if they remove Borlick, they can't get her away in time to keep the coming storm away. Crichton asks Pilot if Dargo has looked, but Pilot says he's not answering his calm. Rigel guesses what's happening and reveals the truth about Chiana and Jothi's relationship. Crichton goes to see Dargo and says that he didn't know when Dargo showed him the tattoos, but that they'll need Dargo's help or they'll all die. Dargo, clearly distraught, says that they broke his heart and so everyone will all die. Crichton chews out Jothi and Chiana, angrily telling the two of them that they betrayed the one person on Moya who would have done anything for either of them, even die. Dargo, meanwhile, is drunk but decides to go out anyway. Pilot says that Crichton told him Dargo wasn't going and asks why, but Dargo just says goodbye. Pilot begins to urge him to come back inside. Stark and Crichton are bringing the cryopod on board the station to pull Borlick into it when Pilot tells Crichton that Dargo's gone EVA. Dargo says that only two cables are left, but they're power cables. Pilot can't turn them off, and Dargo says that he doesn't need to wait for Crichton. Chana tells Dargo to wait, but he says that she'll never tell him what to do again. Chana asks Crichton to speak to Dargo, but he won't listen and says goodbye to Crichton. As Chiana screams, Dargo neutralizes the cable and floats away, but he gets caught on the end. Crichton goes outside to help him and gets Moya clear. Chiana tells him to help Dargo, but he says first he has to free Moya. Aaron finds the hatch to the nursery, but Mortal dies before he can give her the code to open it. She manages to shoot it open and get the group of children. Meanwhile, Crichton slips and floats away, but Dargo catches him. They get the cable away and Crichton starts to return to Moya, but Dargo doesn't follow, so Crichton says he won't go alone. The storm is starting to shake the station again when Chiana and Jothi go see Dargo, who tells them they both to stay away from him. Crichton finds Borlick stuck to Moya's wall, thinking she's one, but Crichton reveals that the door is detachable and ejects her as Pilot laughs maniacally. The storm follows and strikes her. The children are back on the station and Stark tells Zion that they'll find a planet for her, Crichton tells Aaron that he's been thinking about her suggestion, and she says maybe they should wait. He asks what about fluid levels, and she says there will be a backlog. Jothi is preparing to leave and is speaking with Chiana as Dargo secretly watches. Jothi says that he betrayed Dargo, and Chiana says it wasn't all his fault. He asks why she did it, and she says that she didn't like the plans that Dargo had made for them, but knew it would take he wouldn't take a no for an answer, so she did something unforgivable. Jothi says that she used him, and she agrees, but says that he enjoyed it. He tells her that if Dargo will listen to him, to tell him he's sorry, and that he'll return one day and make it up to both Dargo and Chiana. Dargo watches and burns the other Union tattoo, almost in tears. A little trivia for this episode, Wayne Pygram, who plays Scorpius, does not appear in this episode. So, so much for that. Yeah, yeah. He's still got his title in it, right? Yeah, so. he's I'm sure he's still get paid, uh, yeah. Yeah, get that check. The title for this episode was partly inspired by D.H. Lawrence's classic story, Sons and Lovers. Uh, uh, spelling difference. That's S-O-N-S. Sci-fi. Yeah. yeah. Space. <laughs> DRD One-Eye makes a return appearance in this episode. One of the children found by Aaron is played by the director, Andrew Prowse's daughter, Stella. And according to Gigi Edgeley, the producers wanted to keep Matt Newton, that's Jothy, on the show, but the young actor was in great demand and had to leave. Prior to appearing on the show, Anthony Simcoe had briefly taught Newton at NIDA, the Australia Drama School. And one of the most repeated phrases from Farscape, Frail Me Dead, makes its debut. I missed that. I wonder which thing was that from? Did you catch that one? 
Aaron said it at some point during the maybe when they fell into the conduits or something. Ah, uh, okay. So thoughts? Uh, I guess as we kind of hinted at, I didn't quite like this one as much as the last one. You know, it had its good parts, and it was it was mostly good, I guess. Whatever our rating skill is, which we don't really have one. I'm just still mad at the whole Jothi Chana thing, which at least now looks like it's over, since the trivia mentioned that the actor playing Jothi left. So and he was a good actor, and I'm you know kind of sorry to see him go in that respect. But I'm done with this plot line, so thank you, leave. But now we just have to deal with the repercussions, apparently from of what happened for some time to come. So I guess we'll have some little drama on the show with him and uh, with a uh, Dargo and Chiana. Otherwise, I th- everything else is pretty good. So I guess I don't know whatever our rating scale is. I guess I'll call it good, not great. Yeah, you're probably right. Though my dislike of the crew drama uh, mentioned earlier makes me dislike this more than it probably deserves. The bones of the episode are good, so I'll just focus on the fact that we have no more Jothi. Uh, again, nothing against the actor. It wasn't anything permanent. Per, per, per. There wasn't anything really against him. It just was the, the storylines that they gave him never really gelled, and I, I'm I'm not sorry to see the crew kind of regel without him. Which is interesting, interesting, right? Like you know, we've we've got quite a few additions to the to the core crew this year, which between Stark and Jothi for a little bit, and then uh, having Crace around a little bit more. So I, I think it kind of lightens it a little bit to get rid of one of the characters, especially since I wasn't enjoying his arc. <laughs> yeah. And then plus you have way too many people on the show, and then you have way too many plot lines. And you know we have a little f- core group, group of crew. We should just you know, focus on them, right? Yeah, I don't mind Stark, although I don't think he has to be in every episode, although it's tough to figure out where he went. <laughs> um, and I, I'm, I obviously they don't have to, they don't feel like they have to use Crace every episode either, which is, you know, a positive. Yep. Yeah, so uh, the episode opens, I guess, we're uh, apparently, at least in this part of the Uncharted Territories, words getting around about the crew, or I guess really, at this point, just Crichton. And like most tales that spread kind of organically, I guess the details get lost in translation or get embellished from the original. So it's kind of fun to see Crichton kind of confirm that, yep, I'm Crichton, but no, all your stuff is wrong. Here's what really happened. <laughs> so, although I guess if I was... Dargo or Aaron, or I guess really especially Rigel, I might be a little peeved that they're not recognized either. Just Crichton. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point. I, I'll also mention I felt that Rigel was a little off in this episode. Uh, he just didn't seem, I don't know, the character just didn't quite seem right to me. Maybe it just wasn't the fact that he didn't have a lot to do. I, I did like the embellished reputation part. It's kind of like having Crichton be the uh, Dread Pirate Roberts of the Farscape <laughs> world. So, Yeah, good point. I mean, yeah. Larger than life, you know, this big crazy guy, and it's like, no, nah, it's really just, it's all kind of mild. I'm just, I'm just a dude, you know. But it was funny. Yeah, maybe eventually he can trade up his replacement and just trade spots, you know, start calling him Crichton, and maybe he can pull those interons out of the crab pod and be like, hey, this is Crichton. Well, yeah, I guess speaking of interons, um, I, I, I don't know why Jothi opened up that crab pod, other than he thought that person in there moved and maybe saw him and Shanna having sexy time on the floor of the cryo bay, of the cargo bay. I, I guess, did he get the memo that they're frozen at the moment of death or they're almost dead, so you probably shouldn't open the pod, otherwise they're going to die? Which, of course, like a minute after he opened the pod, he did die, so there you go. Unless maybe the only thing I can think of is the pod was damaged in the crash, which maybe that's why Dargo said he smelled a burnout power cell. I don't know, but that, that wasn't really explained that well. No, and, and I I think you're right. I think that's what they were going for was to, was to give them the power cell thing to deal with later uh, and also to give them a reason to keep coming back to that room, hence the smell issues. But it, that's one of the things in this episode I, I had trouble tracking. There's a couple of spots that I'll probably mention along where I got lost in the details. I, I'm hoping that they did it because maybe that bit of plot throwaway where he the, the itinerant, I'm, I'm terrible at names, throws out that they were on a mission to do something, maybe that gets revisited, but maybe not. Maybe it was just a toss-out. We'll see. And uh, unlike last episode, where we went to the good things first, uh, keep going on the bad, th- the bad things I didn't care for in this episode, and we'll just get those out of the way. Why did Aaron come on to Crichton when they're going through the station's conduits? It's like, you have a couple arms to save the kids and who knows how many other people on the station before it gets destroyed and you want to go have some frisky time. I, what? That just made no sense to me whatsoever. So, so I'm going to benefit of the doubt this one, which is funny for me, but let's, let's go for that. They, I'm, I'm going to say that they wanted to have some kind of relationship forward momentum for Crichton and Aaron here, to, even if it was tough to fit it in, just to kind of give them a chance to move the relationship slightly forward. 
because they had to offset the dumpster fire that was the Dargo Chana Jothy mess. And so, you know, again, probably not the best way to do it, but they were they were dealing with the story that they had, such as it is, and you know, just had to shoehorn some kind of momentum into that relationship to to counteract the uh the other. Yeah, true. I mean, I, I like the fact that they're having a conversation while they're walking because you know you get kind of bored walking through a conduit. So yeah, they're talking about their relationship, but then yeah, just why you want to kind of stop and fool around? Like, wait a minute, <laughs> but whatever, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, she that 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 is an odd choice for her, I'll say. But uh, yeah, you're right. The the banter while doing a mission is is definitely something I enjoy, and, and that was that was nice to see. That kind of, hey, we're doing this, but we're going to keep our side conversation from earlier going about this. All right, so enough of the weird things or whatever. Let's get some fun stuff. Cool. All right. So I like that they brought the DRDs over to help search for the signal because, hey, they're still around. They do things. And uh, we kind of get that uh, throwback if you've been paying attention to Farscape all these seasons where they bring on the one DRD that's only got one eye, which is a throwback to way, 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 way back. I guess you could say the original episode one, season one, where I guess Crichton, I guess, bumps into him or falls into him and he, he like, breaks off one of his live stalks so that's it, kind of funny but i guess it's been two years they, they couldn't fix the poor drd's eye stalk but you know the credits duct tape didn't last two years but hey you know that's a callback it's fun you know, it, if you're paying attention to all these years it's cool well and it's not like they had extra money to burn or anything oh wait that's why they were on the planet so <laughs> um yeah and so, yeah, speaking of references and callbacks uh or you know side references I did like the fact that they uh, he made his reference to Scoobying it up or time, Scooby time or something like that and, and to use that to kind of uh, sniff him out. And he makes a reference to, you know, when the DRD finds it, he's like, okay, give him a Scooby snack. I, I like the pop culture references from Crichton. I, that's that's always enjoyable. So it's nice to have that back. And I was kind of thinking, you know, also like references, but they, they didn't reference it intentionally. But when the DRD pointed towards the Borlick who had, had the signal, how it was like, going crazy and i kind of thought back to like um star trek my favorite star trek episode the trouble with tribbles where they find the secret klingon agent because the, the tribble doesn't like klingons and like makes a weird noise when it gets near a klingon spoilers yeah for a for a 60 year old <laughs> television show <laughs> just in case you hadn't seen the episode back in 1967 there you go okay so. i haven't seen it <laughs> what <laughs> this podcast is over what <laughs> I came in on Next Generation. I didn't watch any of the original series. Oh. Hey, there we go. No, no. There's already enough Star Trek podcasts. <laughs> There's already enough Star Trek podcasts out there. We're not going to do it. All right, moving on. Unless we can't come up with any ideas later, in which yeah. case y'all might get a Star Trek episode. But anyway. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, see in, we'll see in two years. <laughs> All right. Um, I guess you know we'll, we'll deal with the elephant in the room here. Uh, it was uh, some nice comeuppance with Jothi and Shanna. Uh, when Dargo instantly asks, what's that smell in the cargo bay? And they're all like, what? What'd you hear? Who'd you talk to? What's going on? You know, and they basically guilt themselves into confessing what happened. And he's like, yeah, I knew that, but I wasn't sure. But thank you for proving that. So it's at least, you know, he's Dargo's, you know, not just the big, stupid, hulking brute that he sometimes appears to be. And then he just leaves in his normal huff and burns the, one of the tattoos onto Jothi and storms out. Nice job. Yeah, I, although I'll say, you know, after spending so much time with him wanting to get Jothi and wanting to get Jothi, and I get being mad, don't, you know, especially for Dargo, but tattooing your kid as some rush po- rough punishment, man. I mean, that's, that's, that's like taking it to 11 right off. Yeah, there's something to be said for Lux and parenting skills. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, although I guess it could have been worse, right? <laughs> so it could have could have been worse. He could have could have you know some, some species eat their young. So there you go. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, and then of course everybody else has to learn what happened. And then you know Crichton's rightly annoyed and chews both of them out. Like how could you do this? And because he did all that, now we're all going to die because Dargo's drunk and too depressed. So thanks a lot. Except Dargo's the good guy in this one. So yeah. <laughs> And of course, you know, you know, so you know, he does decide to go out anyway and help free Moya. And I guess he's not too suicidal because he does bring an oxygen mask this time, so he can stay outside more than uh, fifteen uh, minutes or mic- not microts at seconds. They have minutes. They never mentioned what minutes. Anyway, a quarter arn. There we go. As we learned that Luxon can survive that nicely long. done. Yeah, there we go. Call back to Farscape uh, measurements. Uh, but then he pretty much doesn't really care, apparently, for his life, and he shorts out the two cables rather than waiting for Crichton or anybody else to come help him. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll admit, I was actually worried on this one. 
I, I figured one of the characters had to leave the show and I, I try not to let myself get too spoiled on who's where and all that kind of stuff. And we're still relatively early in the season. So it's possible that the actor could have left. Right. So I did get a little worried that I wasn't sure if it was going to be Dargo or Jothi who had to uh, move on. But then of course, Dargo, uh, I guess, I uh, guess uh, shocked to his senses uh, and winds up saving Crichton as well. That one's hanging by a thread. Yes. <laughs> or cable. That's right. Yeah. So they both save each other as they always seem to do. So in the end, his friendship and loyalty to John, at least, overcomes any suicidal behavior at least for now yeah it, and you know again spoiler which is why you know it, it's, this episode does get a little redemption in my book the friendships between the crew right especially you know dargo and, and john as far as friendship go it is one of my favorite parts of the the crew dynamic and it's it's good to see them being consistent with that ever since the you know end of the first season yeah they seem to have the best bonding relationships out in space on you know in on in eva suits and things that's kind of weird but anyway there you go everybody has their thing yeah you know everybody's got their <laughs> and i guess kind of one of the best scenes in this episode at the end when they have borlick in in moya and she escapes and basically magnetizes herself to one of moya's walls and is all chuckling and like ha, you're all gonna die it's over haha and Crichton's like uh yeah that part of moya that's detachable thanks goodbye and <laughs> ejects her out in space <laughs> While she screams and floats away before she gets blown up by the whatever wave coming. Although the only weird thing about that is then they cut to Pilot who's laughing really maniacally as the panels gets ejected. That was a little weird and kind of uncharacteristic for Pilot. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing maybe that'll be something we get to revisit. Is something going on with Pilot there? Is there there's something weird or was that just kind of a one-off again? One of those, huh, things. I, that does bring up one of the other things that really got me about this episode that I had trouble with. And that's some of the, the side characters moving around. I really lost the thread on a couple of them. Like uh, the mortal guy, right? The bartender mortal. Why did he die? I, I completely missed that. And I completely missed how Borlick gets from one wall to the other wall. It's like one moment she's stuck to this wall. And then the next moment she's in this wall. And it's like, uh, she just like go around magnetizing, bouncing to things. <laughs> I, I, I didn't quite get it. So that, those were the two pieces that I was like, I, I felt like I missed something. Yeah, I think the, the bartender got injured in the initial crash or whatever somehow. I'm not sure how like something got, he has some kind of wound or something. I don't know how he got it. Maybe a piece of the station hit him. I don't know. I, I can't remember that. You know, it's been a couple. See, I guess I just completely missed that because he, there, he's standing there. He's talking to him. Everything's whatever. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, by the way. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, of course, at, at, at the, the wrong, worst possible moment, right? Yeah, you know, so. The, the code is... <laughs> yeah. At first, I was like, that's a weird code. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> but anyway, those were just two of the spots where I was like, I don't, I don't quite. And then, like, I, I was going back. I was like, she was on this wall. They go to, the crew goes and does a bunch of stuff. And all of a sudden, she's on this wall. It's like, man. Okay, lady. Just yeah. Stick around. I, I guess, like, she's magnetic or something? Or she, I don't know. I have no idea. That, or... Yeah, that was weird. Or that's the way, I guess, to, I don't know if that's like her species or a device along with the signal. I don't know. Yeah, that was not explained. It was funny. It just wasn't explained well, which I guess, whatever, it doesn't have to be explained. No, it doesn't. It just, again, it, it, with all the other stuff going on, it was like, they're just like, how do we get her off the plane? Oh, yeah, she just bounces over here and then we toss her into space. It's like, well, okay, sure. Let's just get a bigger piece of metal that she's attracted to and have her get sucked onto that. Okay, whatever. I don't know. And uh, I guess Zan's still sick, which they mentioned like in a sentence or two, and that's about it. Uh, other than that, it's getting worse. Yeah, which, yeah, which again, were... it, which is, is fine. I mean, you know, not every plot line has to get fully explored every week, as we know from past experience with the show. So, yeah, they moved it forward a little bit, right? I mean, she's she's persisting in her progression towards death, and she got a little worse. So we can move. Yeah, you know, at least she got some time to get drunk in a tavern or whatever. Who knows? But yeah, that's fine. Yeah, when, when you're on you're on your countdown, you got to prioritize what you're doing. Assuming plants can get drunk. We don't know. And then Jothy leaves. Yay, goodbye. See ya. Um, and I guess we do kind of eventually get around to why Chiana did what she did. She just didn't like where Dargo was going with, with the relationship. But for some reason, rather than talk to him about it, she just decides to go and sleep with the son. <laughs> okay. Yeah, she's impulsive and everything, but yeah, okay, sure. Eh, I still am disappointed and frustrated <laughs> I'll summarize by saying my notes for this section just say "ek" because <laughs> I I don't get the point. I think it could have been done better if the goal was just to say, "Hey, 
we need an excuse to get Joffy off the show, and we need an excuse to break up Chiana and Dargo, and this is all they could come up with. Uh, that that's the frustrating and disappointing to me part. It's like if 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 the desire was to go from A to B, and we just want to get to B, there had to have been a better way than going through Z. But you know. Yeah, because you, you, you play up on and off through two seasons of like, you know, Dargo's lost his son, his son's out there somewhere, he finally gets him back, and then you do that? Like, okay, uh, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. Or we won't, and he'll just go off. And yeah, or we'll, 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 never, we'll never hear about him again. <laughs> never hear about it again. Because the actor's popular and gets to go do other stuff, and yeah. power to him. So unless that doesn't work out and he comes back in a couple of seasons, or, well, who knows, we'll see, we'll find out. All right. Anything else about season three, episode two? No, I, I think uh, I think we beat it to death. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to be too negative. Yeah. All right. So I guess speaking of episodes here, let's wrap it up. Uh, so I guess you know, first episode obviously is wonderful. Season cliffhanger wrapped up. Everything's great. Aaron's back, which we knew how. I mean, which we knew we knew she would be, but not how. And that, of course, now sets up future plot lines with Zan being sick, dying or not dying. Crichton's back. Yay. Harvey's still there. Hey, interesting. Hey, yay. And then they have to ruin it by having Chien and Jothi's little thing there. Yeah. I like we've said you know, repeatedly, hopefully we can move past all that nonsense and, and, and get back on track. I think, again, to, to, to summarize the first episode, yeah, I, I enjoy cliffhanger resolutions and they did a good job. And episode two here, good. Not amazing, you know, solid. Most of the station plot line was good. You know, we get the kind of resolution of the Jothi, Chiana, Dargo love triangle, uh, which basically is now there's no triangle, uh, no circle, no other kind of shape. It's done. It's over. It's toast. That's it. At least for now. It's a plane. <laughs> and Aaron trying to get frisky with Crichton when the station's blowing up. Huh? Other than that, you know, it's okay. Yeah. I, again, we beat it. I beat it up a lot there, but I think the episode had potential. It just it wasn't close to the first one, which I did really enjoy. I think overall, though, you know, if if I had to look at some of our previous episodes that we've watched, I, I think we're still on a good run, right? We're still we're still higher than some of the lower spots. We may not be on a on a upper plateau, but you know, we're still trending higher. So I think we're going on a good run as long as I look past my dislike of the the triangle, as you put it. Now, no shape. Now, just two things going opposite directions forever. All right. So that was that. Uh, next time, uh, gee, we're only on episode three next time. We already got our first two-parter. Uh, so we got next time, episode three, Self-Inflicted Wounds, part one, coulda, woulda, shoulda. And episode four, Self-Inflicted Wounds, part two, wait for the wheel. And long-time listeners will know we play a guessing game here of what do we think those titles mean. Uh-huh. Not a clue. <laughs> uh, I guess the other, the coulda, woulda, shoulda, that's kind of like what you say when you're kind of like, oh yeah, I wish I would have done this or I could have done that. So it's like second like second guessing or kind of maybe blowing off like, yeah, whatever. You know, whatever happened in the past is the past. So I don't know, maybe something about hopefully Zan's action in last episode to save Aaron. More fallout from Dargo and Chiana's breakup. Like coulda, woulda, shoulda not done that. Uh, who knows? That'd be nice. Yeah. As for wait for the wheel, um, yeah, don't know what that wheel is. That the wheel of time, the wheel of fate, wheel of fortune. <laughs> um, but like again, if Zan's truly dying, then don't kind of not talk about this for a couple of episodes. Hopefully, they're going to deal with that sooner than later. So either wrap it up one way or the other. Like, is she really dying, or is it they're going to find a cure? Who knows? Yeah, I hope you're right on that. I think we need a break from all the relationship cycle stuff that we've been doing, and as we've made abundantly clear. But I think that that kind of goes for the other two, right? Like, I feel, given the fact that they've said repeatedly that she's dying, that they should show some ur- urgency to save Zan. But I kind of feel like in the back of my head that this is going to end up being a, a Crichton Aaron relationship episode again, even if it's, you know, similar to the last multi-parter about the Crichton ends up getting married to somebody else or something. You know, I mean... I feel like they're going to throw something, some monkey wrench in because they can't leave anything on a forward, easy path. But I would prefer to see a, a Zan-centric, save Zan episode. Yeah, because as we learned last season, like, oh yeah, it's, uh, Dargo, your son's alive, he's out there. And like five, eight episodes later, they finally get to him. So, But hopefully that's, you know, she's dying. That's kind of more precedence than, hey, your son's there somewhere, we'll get to him eventually. It's like, yeah, she's dying. So how long she, can she be dying, right? <laughs> so. Well, 
So, so here I'm gonna make I'm gonna go. We'll forget by the time it comes, so it's fine. I'll go ahead and make a weird prediction, a long term prediction. If they don't make this two parter about saving Zan, then she dies in the finale of the season. Okay, there you go. Because if if they don't resolve it quickly, then it's going to be the whole drawn out season, and she's going to die at the cliffhanger finale. Okay, there's a prediction. All right, I guess we'll find out next week or not. We'll see. Or or not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just counting everybody forgetting by the time we hit the end of the season. That's what I'm counting on. So. Yeah, because we have, I know sometimes we go back and explain or you know say, hey, our last episode we guessed this, we were right or wrong, and yeah, you know, sometimes we don't bother doing that. So, hey, we'll see. Who knows? Man, I don't remember what I had for breakfast. So yeah, right. To... And it was like last time it could be two months from now before we get back to this. Who knows? <laughs> Man, I hope not. Yeah. We gotta. Hey, they, they've, we'll try not to do that. They've locked in the long term deal with the Shout Factory, so it'll be on there for until it's not. Yeah, as long as Shout Factory stays in business, right? This is also true. So, well, hey, they're, they're selling ads on these things. How much money can they make? You know, anyway, you can't go broke selling ads. That's right. Says everything that failed. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a foolproof marketing plan. What? Okay, no. Step three: breaking loads of cash. Yeah, right. got it. All right, so that is your homework. Find it where you can find it. Watch it where you can watch it, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.